Hello, welcome to We Don't Talk About the Weather, political discussion that from the outside may look like screaming and crying. I'm Adam and this is Hugh. Hello. And we're here to talk. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> all right. Um, all right. I'm doing better than a cyclist in Kentish Town. <laughs> um, oh, damn. Yeah. It's probably been, the joke's yeah. been made probably already, but you know, finally Keith Starmer is 20 points ahead, but on his driving license, didn't... Uh... <laughs> I keep looking in to see how my dark and stormy night is doing. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he's consistent. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, um, I don't know. Like, <laughs> or not really. really. <laughs> Clipping a cyclist and then leaving the scene doesn't seem consistent. <laughs> just, although, um, I think I think I saw Jack say today that it's just like hitting him but not killing him is, pr- is just another example of Starmer abstention. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's, that's oh. there's that, and then there's grim news of like you know bodies being found in the channel now. Oh, I hadn't seen that. Yeah, that's today. Like a boat went down because you know the weather the weather has turned now, so the channel mm. crossing, which is treacherous anyway, is now horrible. Hmm. Yeah. It's, I notice it's interesting how I mean obviously it it still happens but the actual yeah. kind of sense of crisis that mm-hmm. ends up being transmitted is we're not in a we're not in a, a an immigration crisis season mm-hmm. so it just doesn't it doesn't get like full play or if it gets play it like gets play for like a day yeah yeah you know now we're into um, other stuff like you know well back into more lockdown stuff and that's yeah. just it's like hearing um oh I said James O'Brien today so the so a bunch of Tory MPs are Asking for the government to give them a roadmap outside, out of being on tier three lockdown, which I don't blame them for asking that because it doesn't seem like there is one. Um, <laughs> and if it is that, then you know, surely they should be getting a bit more money. But James O'Brien quickly there to defend the government <laughs> from <laughs> other Tories. I did see there was a, there was some kind of rev- uh, interview with him. Mm. Um, can't remember where it was, but um, there was some kind of interview. Was like, oh, I'm very, I'm very less, I'm less angry than I used to be. Oh God, yeah, because he did his. Own... And it's like, why? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> you chose now. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's yeah. He's like, I've because I, I listen to LBC all the time. I've heard him for fucking years, and him talk. And it's mm. like him talking about how you know he's had therapy and all this kind of shit. And it's really, I get so tired of like men of a certain age who finally pick up the courage to go to a therapist which is very good but then act mm. like they act like they're special for then realizing that therapy actually works it's just i just find it very tiring because like most of the oh, i just hate him he's just annoying everything he says is annoying he could come out he could come out now and say actually i was wrong about corbyn i'll be like ah, oh, it's still fucking annoying Oh no, that would be the worst. Yeah, can you would, fucking imagine? Yeah, it's like, can you fucking I imagine? Wrong. Actually, <laughs> I, I'm actually quite happy. All of all of them have continued on the. Um, well, we narrowly avoided that apocalypse. Yeah. While seven other apocalypses are all hanging over their heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The um, I saw just it Jay Merrick saying like, "Congratulations to Marcus Rashford for fighting for free school meals for children. That's really important." And then people just posted that article to her that she wrote. Complaining about Jeremy Corbyn's preschool meals plan. It's that's a that's a, a a weird one because I mean you can tell how comfortable the government are because they have absolutely no MP, no Tory MP has any compunction about sharing the fact that everybody in his constituency thinks they're a cunt. 
Yeah, they're all posting those. Like, videos. look at look at all this graffiti, yeah. and then this on my constituency office, yeah. and then this dog shit put in my home. <laughs> it's it's like, like no, it's, yeah, everyone hates you. It's like, I can't believe that someone called me scum just because I voted to starve a child. <laughs> But even that, even that, this has like the familiar kind of patterns of like, well, okay, you've got seventeen like, uh, top like a bottom down, bottom up selfie pictured uh, avatar accounts on Twitter saying, well, actually, a potato is twenty five p and a carrot is nineteen p, and it's like, yeah, but you can't buy them on their own, and all of that, and then people get dragged into arguing that, and then. Oh, the Tory MPs pepper it by showing, you know, um, how many of their local pubs they've been barred from. <laughs> yeah, there was, um, was it a Tory MP? Or was, actually, I don't think it was a Tory MP. It was just some rando who was like, well, you can forage for apples. <laughs> yeah, that, that, to be fair, right? Although you can get sick of, you can get sick of the pattern, sick of the template. Yeah. What is amazing is how far people will push it. Yeah. Like, well, of course, every year we go, you know, we are going forage for apples. <laughs> yeah. This bold new hunter-gatherer conservative. <laughs> there was like, yeah, it's like in the last week, there was the people like, oh, I don't understand. How can anyone be hungry when, you know, you could go out, you could go onto Richmond Common, kill a deer and live off the meat all winter. Um, <laughs> and then today, like today and yesterday, you've got like people defending the right to knock cyclists over in an SUV. <laughs> <laughs> so like I saw so many of them saying things like well what was the cyclist doing I've seen cyclists all the time in London they're all terrible okay right seeing as this kind of re-peasantisation seems mm-hmm. to be happening right because there was all those Tory things about like we need a million new farmers um, pick, the pick for Britain thing yep. which you know we need to all get back on the land and, mm-hmm. and start picking uh, picking vegetables mm-hmm. and Let's combine this with the go foraging in the forest for apples, and it should be okay. It it, it should be okay for knights to knock people over as they're speeding past. Yeah. All I'm saying is, before the end of the year, do we get a full throated defence of prima noctum? Have we in some form? Like, was Harry Cole mm. was Harry Cole engaged to what's the name when Boris <laughs> got I together with don't her? Know. Let, let, me, let me just have a look. Harry Cole, what's her name? Um, I can't remember. Carrie Cole, Carrie Bradshaw. No, Carrie Bradshaw. <laughs> Carrie <laughs> yeah, Carrie Bradshaw. Carrie Simmons. That's the one. Uh, God, it kills me that Harry Cole is only 34 years old. He's two years younger than us. I know. And I feel like I'm about to crack. Um, I feel like my entire body's shutting down. I feel so old. I'm only 36. To be fair, he's eaten more goose and taken more coke than us. (laughs) That's the body that you get from eating a lot of goose and taking a lot of coke. Uh... No, I think it was just girlfriend. Oh, okay. I think it was just girlfriend. But you know, Boris pretty much. Yeah. You know, I could see him doing it. <laughs> <laughs> what, like doing a prima noctum and saying, yeah, just claim it. <laughs> oh, so yeah. So speaking of old aristocratic traditions, yes. Um, the main thing we were going to talk about this week is we had a rewatch and a check-in on the main cast of a BBC documentary from 2012. It was 2012, yes. Um, made by, it was like part of their Wonderland series called Young, Bright 
and on the right. So yeah, it was in 2012. I think it was filmed um, across a couple of previous years. There's some yeah. timeline discrepancies, especially with one of them. Okay. Um, about exactly what order things happened in. But essentially, this show follows two young conservatives, uh, Joe Cook at Oxford and Chris Monk at Cambridge, as they navigate their way through their respective like Tory student organisations and, yep. and unions. Um, at the time it came out, I remember a lot of the reviews um, saw the show as kind of like a bit of a car crash and trite. Um, It portrays young conservatives other than these two as kind of debauched and drunken and um, quite Machiavellian in the way that they plotted their way around around student politics. Well, when I was Um, looking it up, um, the tab um, had like a thing about how a bunch of how like Cambridge University would like the Cambridge University student student union were disgusted at this unrealistic view of Cambridge that was given that it was full of toffs um, who were you know just drinking port and punting and all this kind of crap and it's like well you are I don't care. <laughs> um, it did coincide the 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 filming of the show did coincide with a scandal at the Oxford Union um, precipitated by. Uh, Joe Cook, one of yep. the participants, involving um, drunken debauchery and accusations of Nazi songs being sung at their gathering. Is there a gather? Is there a conservative gathering that hasn't had a Nazi song associated with it? It happens a lot. It happens an awful lot. It seems that you know, like if you get enough young drunken socialists together, they'll start singing rebel songs. It seems yeah, that if sure. you do that with Tories, it will just start being you know Nazi songs. <laughs> um. Well, they're not yeah, even so Nazi we... songs. They're Nazi words. To, it was a Nazi words to a Christmas carol. <laughs> so yeah, let's let's cast our minds back to 2012. Let me tell you, watching this show again, mm. things have come so far. Yeah, like so so far. Because like at the time, like I kind of. You kind of, I kind of got the impression, and we've had a discussion about this previously, but I kind of had the impression that it was this attempt to, so it's, it's 2010, 2012, first kind of Tory administration in, you know, 13 years or whatever. Yeah. Um, and there was this sense of moving focus back to see what conservatives were actually like. And there was always, to me, that underlying kind of feeling that with the incoming Tory administration it was sort of a move by the BBC to kind of start to offset accusations of bias. Um, or, or, I mean, or was it just look at the weirdos TV? Well, cause if it was just on its own, then I could see it maybe being like a concerted plan to offset notions of bias, but it wasn't, it was part of their, like a series of documentaries about weird groups and places. Yeah. Um, it was a Louis Theroux thing basically, wasn't it? Yeah. Kind of. Um, mm. And, I think I think it's like pretty much it, it, the reason why it was those two those two guys is mm. for the same reason that you usually get those kind of guys appearing on these things. They went there, they looked around, and these two stood out as the most camera, the most like the most filmable for entertainment value, the most freakish. I mean, yeah. come on, like oh yeah, Eve, all th- all through the show, you've got these two kind of piloting their way around, and yeah. every gathering they go to, they they have shots of like these super handsome, like well healed um, dickheads, basically dickheads and dickesses. Um, all actually, in the background, some of them look like clean cut and handsome. So quite a lot of them look like kind of 
ruddy faced wearing old school fucking ties for a start if you're trying to kind of get average tories on mm-hmm. why do you go to oxford and cambridge oh yeah secondly if you're going to oxford and cambridge and trying to catch tories why do you choose the two gawkiest and importantly non-privately educated and yeah. i mean chris monk may have been middle class his parents were lib dems i think yeah but like they make a big deal of joe cook being like working class yeah, uh, although he, he definitely that, does although that said when they do show pictures from his home which is in yorkshire which they never forget to remind you mm-hmm. um they have got <laughs> there was a, a thing from inside his his mum's house and she has a gazebo she has like a a, a conservatory sorry mm-hmm. and they do the interview with his mum and her uh, and his sister his sister's getting her nails done by like a come in like a a, a a home nail technician. Yeah. And they've got two like um really questionable African lamps. Really? Yeah, know. like like little slave boy lamps. Oh god. Like really really odd. I don't know, it it doesn't seem doesn't seem like something you usually have. In any case. Yeah. Like this is like this is the era of like proper Cambrianism, right? Yeah. Elite Ox, Oxbridge kind of I think to conservatives, possibly a kind of comforting return to a ruling class scion, but with enough like modern, like modern things like they're yeah. modern, like Cameron portrayed himself as like upper middle class in the yeah. same way that kind of Blair did. There was know. just, there was just enough of that kind of um, the kind of upper middle class liberalism that would make, that made a lot of young, like I say younger Tories, I mean Tories in their forties feel comfortable. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, a lot of the show seems to be about, um, uh, like, conservatism is kind of a fandom. Yeah. Like, again, that's another kind of powerful narrative that was coming out in the kind of late 2000s, that uh, it was the rise of nerd culture. Yeah. Of being lonely, being an outsider, and of riding your kind of, your fandom, your obsession to societal success and financial success. Yeah. And it's, you know that was that was very popular then, and that seems to be like I mean the, these two the way that they go about it, they might as well be auditioning to be a comic book writer or something. Mm. You know, mm. it's like it's not just it's not just a job, it's not just a lifestyle, it's like a calling, it's an obsession, it's yeah. a, a fandom. Well, especially now, it's like it's definitely the fandom thing with um, it's like Joe Cook um, get redecorating his room when coming back. And he's opening up like um, tea chests. Where the fuck do you find tea chests? Um, to yeah. get his like his picture of Thatcher and his picture mm. of Churchill and his like hair's head on a his mounted hair's head that he's got and his little flags and all this kind of bullshit. And it is like a little shrine. He's like his like now you you just like um he's like getting out his Funko Pops for all the Marvel cinematic all the Marvel films that he likes. Yeah, Funko Funko Pops are like. An easy version, uh, easy mode of what he's trying to do. He's mm. trying to signal his through his sartorial choices and through his aesthetic choices, yeah. what he identifies with. Yeah, and there's there's this weird kind of thing as well, like like to portray conservatism as like these people shouldn't be conservatives, but they are. Mm. Yeah, you know, like there's this look. It's really easy to be like this. You just have to try and get the Union Jack and get the picture of Thatcher. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, every, everything, everything that they do in this show 
shows you that it actually makes very little sense for either of these two could be conservatives. Like they they choose all these like um, aesthetic and sartorial choices that they cannot pull off. Like their clothing is just dreadful, just dreadful. Well, yeah, they, yeah, they always look. Those kind of Tories but, always look stupid, though. But the, but uh, the, but that's kind of like also a signal for them identifying because they don't. They're not just conservatives. There are places for northern conservatives. Oh, there yeah. are places for lower middle and upper middle class conservatives. There are places for working class Tories. It's not Oxford. They're trying to jam their way into this like class that in a way that actively harms any ch- any chance of advancement. If they'd gone to like a lesser uni or something, yeah. if they'd gone to, um, if, if they hadn't gone to university, if they had gone through conservative politics in another direction, they'd have much more of a chance. If, he, if Joe Cook had joined his local constituency party and really went hard, he would be an MP now. Yeah. Well, I have um, no doubt. Like if we take what they say on face value and believe them, um, like Joe Cook was like, the reason he's a conservative is because he saw conservatism as the individual against the masses, you know, like if you're being, mm. you know, like it being a liberating, a freeing thing, which, you know, and um, believing it to be a meritocracy, which yeah. if he's smart, then surely he knows it's not like a meritocracy. Do you know what I mean? And, um, I mean, he doesn't, to be honest, he doesn't, he doesn't really, home he doesn't on. really act like it. To be fair, he doesn't act like it's a meritocracy. He seems, he, he, he doesn't act like, yeah, he doesn't, yeah, but that's that's the ideological answer. Mm. You could every single every single sinew that he pulls yeah. in that show is him trying to keep up, is him trying to, uh, I mean, essentially weasel his way in there by by the back door. Something that Chris Monk doesn't recognise. Yeah, there was a thing Sorry. I noticed the difference in um in awareness of the class stuff that um mm. that Joe Cook has, but Chris Monk really does not. Um, and I think that's probably down to his Lib Dem parents, but like mm. Joe Cook, like um, he realize like he gets te- he talks about being teased for his accent, so he changes it to whatever accent that is that sounds like it might as well be that he maybe he was like he's an early precursor to the narrator from Bly Manor. It's that level of fucking what is that accent? Um, yeah, but like you know, he obviously tries and he strives and he is manipulative in his ways of trying to do it because he know and he knows he has to hide stuff. Whereas Chris Monk yeah. turns up and thinks that if he's seen as a good sort, <clears throat> um, if he seems sound, then surely it will work for him. Like, and he's yeah. he's a really weird one because like Joe Cook, one hundred percent, he wants to be he wants to be like a Michael Gove. He's he's like a wannabe like Tory cabinet mm. minister psychopath. Whereas Chris Monk, he's Chris, just looking for yeah. acceptance. He like he talks about how he became a Tory yeah. when he was at primary school. Like he says, somewhere between five and eleven, he decided to become a conservative. Um, mm-hmm. He you have him with his parents. Um, his mum says that he's quite intolerant. Um, and they, which seem- uh, to be fair, doesn't doesn't seem to actually be portrayed in the show. Um, like I mean, we don't really see him say that much. Well, no, you don't really. They don't really get it. Like the only time he actually actively talks about politics is a, a, a Cambridge um, debating thing where he it's so he's so desperate the whole thing is him just being desperate yeah. to be noticed but um he volunteers as a steward um because then he yeah. might get a chance to say something and he quickly puts his hand up to have to say something during the 
during a debate on Brexit, he describes himself as a young conservative firebrand. That was really, actually, really interesting. Did you notice that um, that debate about? Because it wasn't it wasn't Brexit then. I don't know if Brexit had been properly no, coined. It was. It was it was Euroscepticism, mm. and it opened with the Eurosceptics. What I assume is the anti-EU side mm. saying um, anti-Euroscepticism and anti-EU sentiment is like the refuge of some of the vilest <laughs> racism in our society, and it's like wow, yeah, it's all gone. But, um, all of that's you gone. Get, you get a couple of hints about Chris Monk's politics, where he talks about how um, he doesn't have a friend who's in the Conservatives. It's another. Um, a friend, like a friend who's in the Conservative Association, who can help him, and his dad isn't a socialist academic, so he can't help him. That either. was that was fucking amazing. Because um, yeah. he yeah he says like I'm around I'm around the kind of people who have those connections, but I don't have the right background. My father's not a socialist academic, and I didn't go to Eton. Yeah. That's that was so fucking brutal. Mm-hmm. But if the shoe fits, yeah. Um, <laughs> He, um, I think Joe Cook does it as well, but there's an incredible, but he's got it more from every, like, he doesn't think he's being, he's being plotted against by the party. He thinks that he's always worried about, he is worried about things from outside. One of the first things he says is it's easier to come out as gay than as a conservative, which is a thing that I always fucking despise because, you know, first off, one of them's a choice, you bastard. And the other one is that it is, you fucking cunt. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's so easy to come out as a fucking Tory. It's so easy. It, uh, it's, it's so funny watching him because, like, he's he's come across... I don't know what his experience of conservatism is, uh, Chris Monk, that is, before um, this show or before he went to Cambridge. But he's, like, going around in these, like, horribly ill-fitting suits, like, really bad suits. I'm mm. sorry I keep going on about the suits, but it, it's really repulsive. I don't like suits at the best of times. The old three-piece cage, but... Uh, it it just looks awful on him. But he's going around in this suit and every all of the other kind of more confident, more secure um, Tories are all in like hoodies and flip-flops. Well, yeah, that's... At it's these a, like drinks. It's, it's a drinks thing, which is one of the best moments um, where first off he orders the Conservative cocktail because he's trying too hard, and which is a thing that he does all the way through. But it's um, the Conservative cocktail, which looks like half a pint of Blue Lagoon. It looks horrid. Um, yeah. But then... He's trying to get noticed because he wants to get onto the the Cambridge Conservative Association board or whatever it is. He wants to get into one of the, oh, one like of the, the positions. The committee. Yeah. yeah, he wants to get on the committee. So he needs to make sure, mm. see, sound out. And he just, he gets a bit drunk too quickly and he's really bad at talking to people and he's so desperate because, and he yeah. just wants to get noticed because he's like, he talks about why he wants to be on this committee. It's like, it makes you feel special that you might get an opportunity to be the one that chooses the biscuits and the cheese. And it's like, that, all of that is just like, it's joining a club. It's not joining, and like he talks to his parents about it. It's about, it's more sort of describing it more as a social club than about politics. And it's for him, it 100% is. Like Joe Cook, he's got ambitions beyond that. Whereas Chris Monk, it does, he just wants to be accepted for his repellent conservative views. But he just terrifies the other people there because there's like, there's a bit where there's like three of them talking about how maybe we should be less restrictive with clothing because sometimes that can be quite off putting to people and they're being quite smart about it. And he's like, no, because then it won't make us special. And like, they're like, oh, fuck off. I just want to wear a hoodie. 
I'm not a belief in like any kind of um, like psychic group mind, like anything mystical around yeah. your class class position or anything. But it's fucking incredible how instinctively Chris Monk goes into a serving role <laughs> whenever he comes into contact with the Conservative Club. Right, because he's a, he's a steward because he's brought, brought up by Lib Dems. Oh no, no, it's um, it's the it's the it's the upper middle class thing of like um. It's it's incredibly aspiring middle class. You need the proper forms filled out. At one point, yeah. he says, "Oh, it was only an administrative fuck up that oh, yeah. led to him being or either being on or not being on yeah, the the, he the sub- committee." He submits his application to be on the committee, and he's worried there's going to be a runoff election. Then at the thing, it turns out um, there isn't going to be a runoff election. Not enough names were were submitted, so everyone who applied gets to be on the committee. They read out the names. His name isn't on there. He questions him about this, and the bloke goes, "Oh yeah, um, I guess I lost it." And then he just gets on it anyway. And it's like, "Oh, they so they oh they were so trying it's, not to have you." It, on I there. mean that that kind of that kind of like um, position because it's not it's not ambition. It's like position seeking. Yeah, like behaviour. Yeah, feeling like you have that place in the organization, like loyalty, not to a, a is a kind of trade. It's a kind of let's not say trade union, but like a kind of collective security for the aspiring middle class. As long as you're in a company or in a corporation in a sort of middle manager position, hmm. you're you're kind of okay. But it's amazing how instinctively that the first thing he does is go. He's a steward at the meeting, mm-hmm. and then immediately he gets elected to the committee. He says, "I might be deputized to the." Um, procurement of cheese and biscuits. Buying pork, procuring cheese, ensuring that there are biscuits. And then he goes, does like a little speech about how difficult it is. It can be quite difficult because you've got to make sure you've got the right amount of biscuits. He literally adopts the position presumably um, unbidden of shopkeeper. Like he's he is middle upper like maybe upper middle class but middle class certainly around all these aristos and he immediately adopts the position of shopkeeper you know he kept a very good sort of shop that line from Pride and Prejudice yeah he immediately starts thinking about provisioning the uh, the the upper class I mean he must know that they don't respect those roles those are the kind of roles that they expect him to be in they bring him no closer to actual power yeah he's responsible for getting the drinks he he fits into it so much. Well, it's so servile to yeah. them. Um, I don't think he really understands what conservatism is, like what Tories are. Like, I it's genu- fa- it's, genuinely it's, believe it's, that with him. It's fandom. It, it's wearing yeah. suits. It's liking. It's sort of liking the flag. And he's got that kind of self-effacing um, lack of confidence. Hmm. That, mm. that, I mean, he's he's clearly like um, doing that. What's that Mark Fisher quote about vertigo when you're in a, an unfamiliar class position? can't remember the exact line but uh he he's got that all the time he's got this like this vertigo and the only thing that makes sense to him is to grasp at the material provisions that the others are using while they're going off to do battle yeah you know it's absolutely incredible yeah um so if uh if chris monk is the what i think they thought he would be the boris because at that point boris was not expected to be in any kind of prominent leadership position he was more a bumbling clown um no no mm. no Boris I, I, no like a like political people always thought that that he was after the big the big positions and Boris was never was never as incompetent as Chris Monk because Chris Monk has absolutely no social skills he has no understanding of how to mm. interact in that environment Boris was always perfect in that environment 
No, the um, no, with Chris Martin, let's, let's... they literally saw him and go, went, "Oh my god, that's the one." Yeah, yeah. But if Chris is the is is that, mm. then Joe Cookier is definitely the the Michael Gove. Um, we're introduced to him kind of moving into his into his apartment, into his room at Oxford, and he he for some reason breaks out this crucifix. Yes. And he says, "Oh, I, I have it for effect. I'm not that devout. You always trust a man with a cross." Yeah. So, what the fuck are you talking? This is like the spider thing. This yes. is the, the Gavin Williamson <laughs> spider thing again. It's effective. <laughs> it's a uh, oh, this will really freak out the squares, even yeah. though I am the squarest. Um, the interesting thing about Chris, Chris, uh, sorry, the interesting thing about Joe Cook is that he'd actually already been in in media, as it were. Um, yeah. He actually did. Um, a kind of mock election thing in 2010 with um, Vice magazine, huh. uh, where one of the uh, I think who's now a I think they're now a Lib Dem MP, or at least they tried out to be a Lib Dem MP. That they were the ones who, who won. But um, yeah, they even brought them back in um, 2000, 2015 to you know see what the con, LibCon mm. uh, coalition years had been like. I, the video's all gone. I think Vice scrubbed all their old content uh-huh. at some point, so it's not there. Is that to but, um, is that to save Ozkatergy's modesty? Yes, you can see it if you've got the special glasses. <laughs> um, so you're introduced to him, and he's got all of these. He's got all of the traditional kind of um, the fetishes of the the conservative uniform. He's got the 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 chap dress like yeah. that magazine, the chap. You know, he's got that. He has this thing. He has the big handkerchief. Yep. In the pocket that he constantly takes out and like dabs his forehead. <laughs> yeah, like he's got a case of the vapors. Yeah, they're, they're so arch and like he he doesn't do it, but he hangs out with the people who's hanging out with. They've all got the like the cigars. They're at a yeah. boat race. They've got the boaters, the club ties, just that kind of reveling in, in privilege thing. Yeah. Um, even during uh, he does a photo shoot during um, during the program. Oh, when yeah, his, his, during his story and he's like they're taking a picture of him with like the cup of tea and the saucer and at one point he toasts to england and it's yes. like this constant parade of of like yeah fetishes of well one symbolism of the things, as one of the things I noticed was like um chris monk gormless doesn't really know what's going on mm. um joe kirk knows exactly what the documentary people are doing and he is manipulating yes. them 100%. Yes. And whether they're okay with that and I think they're probably they probably I don't I can't imagine. I hope they weren't taken in by it, but um he really fucking milks it like he he almost cries on command and yeah. yeah. So I mean he tries to present himself as like a, a ruthless bastard straight from the off there's no there's no questioning there's no getting into like any of his his positions. He presents himself as like a, a classic, like camera, like a Cameron, Cameronist figure. Yeah. Let's say. So he was the president of the Oxford Conservative Association. Um, he, in, according to his telling, he tried to reform it, turn it into less of a drinking club and more of a like an adjunct to the the party itself. Yeah. Um, that he presents this. This appears to have been a failure um, when he tried to introduce like big society reforms. Yeah, some charity reform. They are. Um, the society members call him Robert Mugabe. Yeah, which <laughs> um, does not surprise me. All in all, like a kind of a, a, a more serious figure than than Chris Monk. Yeah, he, a lot um, of the reviews of this. Out, oh, sorry, he points out like he whenever he's taking people, he um takes them around bits of Oxford more and shows them the bit like this is where we have 
This is where we have the shouting matches. This is where we have... This is where we plot the coups. But um, he, like, properly, like, this is where you plot the coup, and this is where you, this is the best bit to, to sit, because you can see where people are coming from. And this is... In this room, these are some of the bloodiest yeah. battles in politics happen on this table. He's constantly making it out in that proper... That politician way of, like... You know that political hard men... And it's like, yeah. you're not a hard man because you shouted at another bunch of like people in suits. But yeah, he's very much... That's, yeah, he was like properly like showing off. Yeah, he's definitely showing off. He even says, like, it's not a dirty tactic when the results are, are moral. Yeah. You know, that, that kind of like, like, I've read The Art of War as applied to Oxford I've University. I've read the blurb of The Art of War. <laughs> yeah. Um... But slowly you kind of, they kind of unravel his story. Um, he takes them home to his uh, town in, in Yorkshire. They give you the whole like depleted Yorkshire mining town shtick, the, yeah. the boarded up estate pub, the betting shop high street. Oh, As God. I said, the house. Yeah, did you see the name of the boarded up pub though? Oh, is it the wasp nest? Yeah. Who drinks in the wasp nest? But then also <laughs> that my first reaction was, oh my God, who would drink in a place called the wasp nest? And then I was like, I quite like that name as a pub for a pub, though. I did. There was a pub around the corner from me that it was called the Honeycomb. Yeah, that's different though. Honey's that had, nice. There's that no, had pictures of wasp honey. That had pictures, but it had pictures of bees everywhere. Yeah, but bees make honey, and honey's nice. Wasps don't make shit. <laughs> they make me uncomfortable. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so you go around his house, and his house looks like it's another one of those like bait and switches where, like, mm. look, I, I can't, I can't really critique someone's like home living. I don't yeah. know their finances. I don't know yeah. their their whole life before I get into it. But this house does have a conservatory. Like they've 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 like they've clearly all got dressed up. There's like a, a oh. tiger print couch, and the the sister's getting her nails done on camera. Yeah, by by like a person who a, a nail technician who's come in. Yeah, but like maybe, maybe home. And again, right now, but he talks about how those he's things... on preschool meals and how he was one of the only ones. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Back. Yeah. So maybe they're you know they've come into a windfall now. Yeah. And I mean, he, they the slow. Yeah, they slowly unravel. Like he talks about, he had very bad dyslexia. Um, he talks about his relationship with his grandfather, and he gets all teary eyed. Um, and he talk, yeah, he talks about the Conservative Party as the party of the upwardly mobile individual. I remember at the time um, they they go into how he's a he, he grew up in a as a single parent family. Uh, his father went to prison when he was four and doesn't appear to either have been out or, you know, come back to the family. Yeah, and he talks about how he got laughed at for having a, a Yorkshire ac- accent. And at the time, I do remember like explicitly thinking, yeah, this of the two, this is the this is the one who's going to make it because. Aside from whether you think it's kind of staged or anything like that, and I think it's probably a, a little of both. I think he probably, I think he probably did realize that his story would be a powerful detoxifier, especially yeah. considering supposedly he has the interests of the Conservative Party at heart. Yeah. To then portray himself as a, a kind of individual fighting to detoxify the party with his background is something that kind of the later Tory Party, especially now, would kind of lap up. Yeah, but there's also something real behind that. There's a, a kind of he goes to a lot of effort to do all these things. He, although he is pretending to be a sociopath, he's pretending that all this doesn't like affect him. He is. He has got like a level of vindictiveness and rage. And I remember thinking when I first watched this, he is the one who would succeed because a person like that, the most effective Tory, would burn the world down 
Oh, rather yeah, he literally than ever, says he's going to burn the party ever, to the ground, doesn't he? <laughs> he? They would they would burn the Tory party, they would burn the country, they would burn the world down before they ever felt were made to feel like that again. That mm. that kind of that kind of humiliated rage is yeah. pure conservatism and frankly pure fascism. But I don't don't think he's particularly a fascist. But um, you know, talk all you want about your Camerons and your Osbournes and all the things like that. That's what keeps the Tory party in business, mm. that kind of age, that, that rage, that kind of yeah. um, resentment, especially when it's like powered by anger at other conservatives. Like if you think about the most successful conservatives, I mean, Nixon always felt inferior to kind of the East coast wasps yeah. in America. He was, you know, um, son of an orange farmer. Um, Thatcher was that lower middle-class woman against the kind of aristocracy of the party. Um, even like you go back as far as like Edmund Burke, who despite being the kind of godfather of modern conservatism was an Irishman who, despite being Anglican was forced to take the oath of allegiance and mm-hmm. deny transubstantiation when he was <laughs> elected as an MP. He's <laughs> got that, you know, it, it, it's when he, Burke talking about the Bourbons losing power, like they deserve to, although he's always like portrayed as this, like against the French revolution guy, he's, he's actually criticizing the the French Royal family far more because they were too weak to hold on to power yeah. and that's something that you get with joe cook like that deep-seated rage that they're not worthy they're not worthy to uphold conservative ideals yeah yeah was the main was the main thing that i i took away from it in in 2012 well yeah there's um, the rest of sorry there's like a bit where he's plotting where he's plotting his coup um mm. um with like with two of his friends who one of them later goes on to betray him, <laughs> because of course. But um, you know, most of his friends betray him as yeah. well. But he's like one of the. Um, they're, they're plotting their coup, and they use and he's constantly like, um, he's, I can't remember the names he gives to the different operations. But one of the one of them was like, and this one is the Tudor defense, where we'll wed their Lancastrians to our whatevers Yorkists. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, oh god, this is this is, and this is like, this is all pure affect. But then, like, they're having cream tea and scones, and none of them want raisins in their scones because it's too spicy for them. Still, <laughs> it's too ethnic for them. <laughs> I think one of them's an Indian. It, like, it's like this is it's like an Indian. Kid. Yeah, there is it's an like, Indian kid. There's yeah. like that's like his his henchman. <laughs> so all of this kind of politicking culminates in him. Uh, basically leaking a load of pictures and um, testimony about what had gone on in the Oxford Union, mm-hmm. uh, in the Oxford uh, Conservative Association, Assuming, to an Oxford Union paper. Presumably while he was also um, president. Yeah, so that, that was something that he actually saw out his entire term as president, and it was only afterwards when he kind of um, was ousted that he started leaking this stuff. Ousted by um, his best friend. By his yeah, by his former best friend, who they have kind of footage of them watching the 2010 uh, election results together. Yeah, um, and basically the rest of the the rest of the documentary is is him coordinating with journalists, taking the story to a national paper, and timing his resignation. Yeah, in a way that you know it's it's all very House of Cards. It's all very Yes Minister, which is another another real. Um, like fetish moment you know it's almost like like the doc- the documentary evidence of how these people interact has become cosplay almost to the people who are cut who want to come into it they want yeah. that for yeah. whatever um, fucking did you notice reason. um 
even like okay, I didn't go to university, so I don't know what they what these people mm. are actually like. But even like the student yeah. journalist seems to be um, in a costume of what a journalist should look like. He mm. turns up and he can't be, you know, he must be about like twenty twenty one, and he looks so sleazy. Yeah, he looks like a proper sleazy reporter, doesn't he? And he keeps he getting interrupted by by phone calls to yeah. like say, yeah, no, yeah, completely naked, yeah, 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 yeah. no, all right, yeah, ciao. <laughs> oh, but yeah, it's like it's like. I mean, I don't know. Maybe like Oxford. Maybe all of them playing roles. I mean, maybe Oxford, uh, like, because you have a far, far higher chance of actually getting to the summit of the thing that you mm. want to do, they kind of start play acting that earlier. I never, I was, ne- I never had the opportunity to play act anything no. at university. Like it was do the work and be as drunk as possible, or you know, yeah, and then go into work. That was it. You know, there was there was no other opportunity to kind of to kind of fashion in that kind of modern capitalist parlance to like fashion the person you want to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? To 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 if you if you fake it until you make it, if you act like the kind of person you want to be, you'll eventually be that thing. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, Joe Cook seems to leave leave the Oxford Union, the, oh, I keep calling that, seems to leave the Oxford Conservative Association on a high. Um, the postscript is that the, the Oxford University kind of bans them from using the name Oxford University for a year, so they become the Oxford Conservative Association. Um, and it seems like th- there's, a, there's, a, there's a point towards the end where he sends one of his friends who's still a member to go and record um one of the meetings where he thinks his resignation will be discussed. Yeah. And his mate, who's still president and is now dealing with the, the fallout of this, this, all these allegations, just says, oh, no, I haven't received anything. And yeah. Joe's like kind of desperately saying, but I sent it to him. I mailed him and I emailed him. And it's that moment of desperation. It's like, you don't matter. Yeah. You still, you still do not matter. And a little bit of the pomposity kind of leaks from him. You know, yeah. all this time he's pretending, pretending like he's this significant figure, and he actively wasn't. Not just because he got ousted, not just because he's working class, but because it's fucking student politics. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's um. I did note. Did you notice the um when the story comes out and it gets into a national paper, and um Chris Monk is reading it, and he's he's horrified. Um, but one of the things he points out is that. That it's disgusting that they were singing racist songs with that were musically valueless, <laughs> and also he's also disgusted at Joe Cook for um, for put, for putting himself before the Oxford Conservative Association. It's it's beautiful yet again, psychically adhering group like hive mind adhering to his class position, which yeah. is all oh, they were singing Nazi songs that I should be taking this very seriously take the sting out of it just a little bit yeah. by saying, but they were even sing, singing out of tune, yeah. you know? But even he, like Chris Monk, when he's reading about the story, he has that kind of like fandom loyalty. Yeah. Still, yeah. still to the organisation, to the company. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's incredible. Okay, so the programme ends. Um, Chris Monk's ending is like, had his little postscript, is he's disillusioned with with um the world of the Cambridge Conservative Cambridge University Conservative Association and decides to mainly focus on his studies. So you know that's where I started to go looking for where he is and I came up with he has no social media. 
and he is working for a law firm specialising in um, banking and finance. Um, the main thing I noticed <laughs> yeah. is he has aged terribly. Oh, I, I mean, look, I, I know, I know you should never feel sorry for Tories. They've made their choice, but fuck, man. No, you only feel sorry for him because of, he's obviously got very thinning hair, but he's refusing to let go of that one. And you know, you you, you feel for him. You feel sympathy. You feel oneness, kinship <laughs> with the balding man. I, I have, I do not have hair like him. Like, other than the top of my head. No, but you can understand My hair that is desire. thick. Thick, lustrous, Saxon, dirty blonde <laughs> hair. He has hair that's like strings. Yeah, it's, like piano, like piano strings. Oh, it's terrifying! It is very dead. <laughs> it does not look like a live <laughs> thing. It looks like like silken Play-Doh hair that's coming out of him. That's like ridiculously blonde. It's horrifying. <laughs> but yeah, he works. He works for a law firm now. I can't remember which one. Um, but. Yeah, he's just done. He's, so I reckon. Yeah, he re- he he gave up on it. He realised that it's not for him. This isn't how he's going to make his friends. He he knows he's never going to get ahead in conservative politics. So he goes and does the thing that he can do, which is have power and sway over the world through the world of banking and finance as a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I looked into um into what happened to Joe Cook after the uh, after the documentary, and obviously yeah. he um. A lot more kind of integral to the conservative movement. Um, So at the time of the program, he does mention that uh, he's been doing um, internships and they're linked to the uh, Conservative Association in Oxford. Um, uh, According to his LinkedIn, um, he actually did a, a couple of summers with the Leadership Institute, quote, networking with leading young conservatives from France, Argentina, Bolivia, The USA Hmm. and Mongolia. What? What does a Mongolian conservative? What what policy positions does a Mongolian conservative? This is going to come as a shock to everyone that I know next to nothing about Mongolian politics, but I'm now super interested in what it is because all I know about (laughs) about like modern Mongolia is I quite like some of those throat singing metal bands. It's that. It's just uh, they they don't want more than two throat singers. Okay. <laughs> or not using two more than two parts of your throat. <laughs> All right. Um, so yeah, the leadership into uh, alumni include also include Carl Rove, Jeff Gannon, Mitch McConnell, Mike Pence, and James O'Keefe. Remember the um, Acorn Pimp video guy? Oh yeah. Yeah, that guy. Um, while he was over there, he participated in the Young America Foundation. That's just a, a standard kind of conservative think tank uh, allied to the uh, Heritage Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, it then lists him as being a, a freelance journalist um, up to January 2014. He's got a he's got a couple of articles on Conservative Home, mm-hmm. talking about the need for de- detoxifying the cancer mm-hmm. within the the Conservative Party. Oh, and he he's also has about the Ian Dale's website for that, was he? Uh, right after the program, he did a uh, a kind of a, a little program on um, BBC Three uh, called Free Speech. Mm-hmm. Um, they get a panelist to talk about some shit. Um, he's the controversial star of the BBC documentary Young Brighton on the Right, the former chair of the Oxford University Conservative Association, and this year claimed Oxford Uni was a hotbed for anti-Semitism. He spent the summer interning for the Republican Party in Washington. Let's see if he'll spill any of his behind-the-scenes beans in our US election special. Why'd you spill your beans, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> but then you go down like the panellists on this programme and 
Yeah, you can see where the the BBC have been going for the past ten years. Yeah, Harry Cole, <laughs> Gisela Stewart, <laughs> uh, Sam Bowman, that guy oh. who positively identifies as a neoliberal. Was that that guy? Yeah, he was the one, the one who's like calling us all hikiko Marxists, and he oh that guy, yeah, and he can't cook food. Yeah, uh, Tristram Hunt, Tim Stanley, just oh Milo. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh God, this is 2012. Yeah. yeah, remember when they were trying to to, to put him up <clears throat> um, and various Tom, like Tim Stanley's the one who's like, oh, that's it. The you put in all the I hate the British. You put in all the effort to wear a bow tie and then you get laughed at by builders. <laughs> Isn't it incredible that we can remember all these people <clears throat> by their funniest tweets? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, it's it's depressing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah he was going full down the conservative think tank route um, and then eventually he ends up uh, he joins a NBC Universal in what? 2015 um, he moved on to he's now moved on to work he works at NBC News in New York where he is currently director of global strategy and business development so actually like um, uh, like Chris Monk he is not involved directly with um, conservative party politics, whether he's still, I looked at his Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, interestingly, all of the Twitter, he used to have the Twitter handle fabulous Brit, um, but he appears to have abandoned that, although it's still on all the links to his articles, etc. cetera. Um, luckily uh, fab at fabulous Brit has now been occupied by a Vocaloid anime account. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> uh, so that was very confusing. I thought I was on a, onto a winner here when I was researching this, but <laughs> No, unfortunately not. He does have another Twitter account. You have a look around it. He was largely a, uh, he was a Remainer. Mm-hmm. Um, he supported Theresa May. Um, he tweeted in that old-fashioned way, now what now seems quaint, that old-fashioned way that people believed politics was done up until about 20, the period of 2016 to 2018. Yeah. He's still in there. He's still qualified support for Theresa May. I believe she's trying her best. Yeah. Boris Johnson is a horrible loss to the conservative movement. Sensible, sane, restrained. And slowly the politics just peters out. He starts tweeting about football. He starts tweeting about friends he's made in New York, about authors he likes, causes he would like to support. And slowly all of the conservative party mania just seeps away and there's nothing left but another conservative who's in charge of a, or who works for a news network. Mm. He now works for, for MSNBC. Uh. And like, you might be expecting me to start up about, well, he's a Trojan horse for the conservative agenda. You know, he, yeah. they trained him in America. And then it's like, <laughs> no, I don't think, I don't, I honestly don't think he's not visible enough no. for, for any, like anything like that to be any evidence of like, I think it's just, there's nothing, it wasn't planned. It's just the conservatives are free now. It's no big thing that an avowed conservative could work in the cultural sphere. Like at the time this program was was put together, there was this supposed great cultural taboo about being a conservative in the media or in like the cultural sphere. Yeah. Um, and the kind of when they talk about detoxifying, they I mean, it's clear from the modern Tory party when they meant detoxifying, they meant let us in. Yeah. Let us back in or, or, or back in because the the weight, the, the, the kind of thrust towards putting conservatives back into the cultural sphere that this program seems to have been a, a part of 
like it had immense weight put behind it and it's now just been accepted that the cruelest human beings alive Mm. can just be can are just free to do whatever they want yeah you know um I mean, the fact that Joe Cook didn't actually join the Conservative Party is also a sign that it wasn't really that attractive a destination for him. Mm. You know, like, uh, why why join the Conservative Party if you're a Conservative? If you, if you want to implement Tory economic policies, you join the Free Enterprise Institute or the Taxpayers Alliance. You'll, you'll yeah. get more. Yeah. If you want to wage culture war, join the New Culture Forum or pen something for Spiked. Yeah. The only thing that actually comes out of this show that, is a reason why they were attracted to the Conservative Party is that weird civic religion of parliamentarianism, mm. which really only appeals to the most sentimentally deranged people. Yes. Um, you know, and I mean, by um, 2018, uh, th- there was there was one uh, thing that uh, I saw that um, interested me. So Joe Cook was a uh, chairman of the Oxford University Bow Group. The Bow Group is like one of the oldest think tanks. Um, okay. It was like a conservative think tank think tank set up to combat socialism like a few years before the um institute of economic affairs mm-hmm. and in 2018 the main bow group um held something called young brighton on the right um it was a, a a talk by a number of rising stars in the conservative party including tom harwood huh. uh, jack gilmore who was the president of the durham uh, Union Society, and uh, who was a Tory election candidate in 2019. Uh, James Dellingpole, for some reason. Um, Lucy Woodruff, uh, Conservative activist and University Conservative Association chair. Samuel Frost, senior member of Ready for Reese Mogg. Oh, my God. Again, you don't have to be that close to the party in order to exert some pressure on it. Yeah. And all, all of this led me to just think that, like, seeing... I do believe the Tories are in a perpetual decline, mm-hmm. but I'm beginning to think it's a mistake to see it as a, a terminal decline, right? We always think of the Tories as the party of the old. Um, and, you know, that's understandable because, I mean, they are. Yeah. But also, young people being opposed to the Tories is a result of conservative policies. Like mm. the young are disproportionately affected by housing inequality, low wages, zero hour contracts, and the kind of general directionless anti-future that's been bequeathed to them yeah um in fact you know they are the party of the old and it's in their in the tories best short and medium term electoral interest to disenfranchise and and disenchant as many young people as possible that said like i don't think this kind of cultural push or youth push by the tories in the cameron years i don't think it was it wasn't out of a desire to get young people's votes it's not that because they're not a mass party. You, they didn't mm. want to get a load more votes. They're an elite party. What they need are berserk fans who mm. will um, pitch for them no matter what. Yeah, They're not out for their votes. They're out for representatives, you know, those few who would cook their own mothers before ever betraying the Conservative Party or, or voting any other way. Yeah. Um, and kind of their success, all their success with kind of like the red wall and former Labour voters, all of that kind of thing, of people being mystified by it because it goes against kind of traditional, traditional class loyalties. Um, what they were, what they were aiming for in this period was to slowly start shifting society in a way that meant that being a member of the Conservative Party is an active benefit, and being a member of Labour is is grounds for suspicion. Because, I mean, that's what we saw over the last five years. Yeah. 
as much as being, say, a member of a trade union or being a member of a I don't know, prescribed movement, yeah. they started moving that kind of category of media involvement onto being a member of Labour. Yeah. All of those he's secretly a Labour activist stories were about actually toxifying being a member of Labour. And every time you hear a, a Tory moan about representation or, for example, constantly amplifying people calling them a cunt, look yeah. how much my people in my own constituency hate me. Yeah. Um, what they're saying is that it's not enough for us to dominate you politically. You have to like us. Yeah. Like we have to rewrite ourselves into your reality so that you have to accept us being in there. We have to be in your face. We have to be in your blood. You know, whenever a conservative is not on the screen, people should be asking, where's the conservative? Yeah. Um, and yeah, they're rewriting themselves onto a picture of Britain that sees themselves as indispensable. There was always the risk in the kind of new Labour years that they would just go away or fragment into a series of different parties. And they were resolute that that would not happen. And in their kind of anti-socialism, they started looking at the places where they felt they weren't in. They weren't willing to accept a, a, like a liberal balance of powers between like a lefty cultural sphere and a right-wing economic sphere or anything like that. They're, they're never like that. I, I don't understand why, why liberals for the last five years have been going on about that kind of balance. They want the whole board. Mm. And I think like Young Brighton on the right, it was definitely like an attempt at trying to shoehorn that in. Um, that's us for this week. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Blueberry, or Spotify. Follow us at WDTATW underscore podcast. Follow me at BM Bergamo. Follow Hugh at Tanner Smashing, and we will see you soon. Bye. Bye. Fighting am the least about the fighting game When Mr. Hoover said to come